Chapter Two of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dale Grothman. The first reaction of the sector chief to the dread words "delayed report" was a shocked negation, an illusory belief that it couldn't happen to him. To the intense annoyance of the communications supervisor, his first act was to rush down to communications and go through all the routines for rousing the colonists the supervisor had tried. His worry was mounting so rapidly that he hardly noticed the resigned expression of the operator who knew he would have to go through all these useless motions again and again before it was all over and somebody did something well the chief said to the supervisor it's my problem now he sighed and unconsciously squared his shoulders yes chief hayes the supervisor agreed quickly perhaps too quickly with too much relief well that is i mean his voice trailed off after all it was you understand my check of your routines was no reflection on you or your department hayes said diplomatically it's a heavy responsibility to alert ehq pull the scientists off who knows what delicate critical work maybe even hope to get the attention of an e all that i had to make sure you know of course chief hayes the supervisor said and relaxed some of his resentment serious matter he chattered disgrace if an e without half trying put his finger on our oversight we all understand that he tried to include the nearby operators his boys in his eager agreement but they were all busy showing how intensely they had to concentrate on their work that's probably all it is an oversight hayes said with unconvincing reassurance then at the hurt look on the supervisor's face added beyond our control here of course something it would take at least a scientist to spot something we couldn't be expected what i mean is we shouldn't get alarmed until we know for sure and ah uh, keep it confidential of course chief hayes the supervisor said in a near whisper he looked meaningfully around the room of operators but did manage not to put his finger to his lips those who were observing out of the corners of their eyes were grateful for that at least on his way back to his own office chief william hayes reflected that the bit about keeping it confidential was on the corny side within fifteen minutes he started spreading it all over ehq himself every scientist every lab assistant would know it every clerk every janitor would know it ehq would have to work full blast all night long and some of the lesser personnel had homes down in the yellow sands at the foot of the mountain these would be calling their husbands and wives telling them not to fix dinner not to worry if they didn't come home all night no matter how guarded the news would leak out the word spread and the newscast reporters would pick it up for the delectation of the public eden colony cut off from communications nobody knows wonder fear delicious exciting or was this the kind of thinking that had kept him from qualifying as an e what was it the examiner had said mr hayes why do you feel it is all right for you to view to read to know but that others should be protected from seeing reading knowing 
what are these sterling qualities you have that makes it all right for you to censor what would not be right for others he abruptly brought his mind back to the present perhaps he'd first better prepare a news statement before he did anything else something non-committal reassuring no point in getting the populace stirred up as he sat down behind his desk a big man in a brown suit natural iron gray hair a calm and administrative face he began to realize that for the next twenty-four hours at least he would be in the spotlight well he'd give a good account of himself demonstrate that he had an executive capacity beyond the needs of his present job more than a requisition signer inner office memo initiator for one thing the scientist could give him trouble if he had been deeply hurt that they thought he couldn't open up his mind enough to become an e what about scientists whose limits were reached still further along he must remember to keep his temper use persuasion maybe kid him a little the blasted experts were almost as bad as the e's worse in a way because the e didn't have to remind anybody of his dignity or how important the work was he was doing but then you never ask an e to drop what he was doing and listen you never ask an e to do anything he either noticed and was interested or he didn't notice and wasn't interested but nobody ever told an e that he must apply himself to a problem once a man became a full-fledged extrapolator he was outside all law all frameworks all duty all social mores that was the essence of the e-science that any requirement outside his own making didn't exist it had to be that way that kind of mind could not tolerate barriers but spent itself consistently in destroying them erect barriers of triviality and it would waste its substance upon trivial matters the only answer was to remove all possible barriers for the e lest immersion in something trivial prevent that mind from seeking out a barrier to knowledge a problem of significance but the scientists hayes sighed if only the scientists wouldn't keep thinking they were cut from the same cloth as the e they had to have restrictions organization imposed upon them yes indeed they grumble at being taken away from their work to assemble a review of all the known facts about eden a dead issue as far as their own work was concerned for eden had been assayed and filed away as solved they'd moaned and groaned about having to drag up the facts that had been analyzed and settled long ago he saw himself compared with the producer of a show and theatrical performers didn't come any more temperamental than scientists he'd be hearing about how much of their time he'd wasted for months to come every time any administrator asked why they hadn't produced whatever it was that they were working on it would be because chief hayes had interrupted them at the most critical moment and they'd have to begin all over again oh they'd drag their heels all right and he'd have to remind them tactfully that their prime duty was to serve the extrapolators that they were employed here only because some day in some coordinated system somebody might be able to supply a key fact that some e might want to know they'd ask him slyly what guarantee he had 
that any e would be listening if they did produce a review of the eden complex knowing he could give no such guarantee they'd drag their heels because deep down they carried a basic resentment against the e because experts though they were each of them somewhere along the line had learned the bitter limits in his mind that prevented him from going on to become an e they dragged their heels because the e's each blasted one of them would regard the absolutely true facts proven beyond question by science with an attitude of skepticism temporarily accepting the uncontestable immutable as only provisionary and probably quite wrong oh they grumble and they drag their heels at first but they would get into it they'd get into it not because the sector chief had babied them along kidding them coaxing them but because as surely as his name was bill hayes some unprintable e would ask a question for which they had no answer or even worse some question that made no sense but left the scientists feeling that perhaps it should have that was the e brand of thinking which gave everybody trouble and without which man could never have gone on creeping outward and outward among the stars every new planet or subplanet or sun or blasted asteroid seemed to call for some revision of the known laws sometimes an entirely new coordinate system had to be resolved oh science was easy a veritable snap while man crawled around on the muddy bottom of his ocean of air and concluded that throughout all the universe things must conform to his then notion of what they must be as ignorant as a damned halibut must be to the works and thoughts of man and often the e was unable to resolve the coordinate system which was simply a euphemistic way of saying that he didn't come back and without him man could go no further an e therefore was the rarest and most valuable piece of property in the universe whatever else man might be he will go to any lengths to protect the value of his property all right bill perhaps a part of that is true but give the scientists their full due they'd work with a will once they grew aware of the need of it because they were just as concerned as anybody else with what might have happened to those colonists but first they would argue his secretary interrupted his thoughts by coming in from her own office she had an inch thick stack of midget cards in her hands here's that first batch of scientists who worked on the original eden survey she said so many hayes asked ruefully maybe i'd better send an all points bulletin you're the boss she said easily but if i know scientists they don't read bulletins yeah sure he agreed you made sure this is everybody nobody is slighted they'll scream like stuck pigs if i ask them but they'll be even worse if i slight anybody by not asking double check with personnel's own midgy digi she replied the machine said if anybody is left out it's not its fault that it would only be because we stupid humans forgot to inform it in the first place sometimes i think that machine complains more than people do he answered certainly it is a lot more insolent gets more work done though she said comfortably you want anything more 
Not right now. Buzz, if you do, the idiot is working out the supply list for the new exploration ship, and it wants service too, she reminded him. It's worse than you are, she added. He looked up at her familiarly with a twinkle. It can't fire you, he said softly. Oh, she asked, you think not? Let me feed it a few wrong data and watch what happens to your little old lovin' secretary. She winked at him, laughed, and went back to her office. Sector Chief Hayes sighed and pulled the stack of cards toward him. First, he must sort them out according to protocol, because his diplomacy wouldn't be worth the breath used in it if he called the wrong man first. At a glance, he saw that the idiot had already sorted them correctly according to status. If you're so smart, he muttered to the absent machine, why don't you call them, too? He picked up the first card and dialed the man's intercom number. It would be like opening the lid of Pandora's box. At that instant, the red light on the E-intercom flashed on. Hayes dropped the ordinary key back into its slot and pushed the E-key to open. He did not recognize the voice that came through. How soon, the voice said, will we be able to get into this Eden matter? I'm setting it up now, he said quickly, by tomorrow morning, surely. That is, if we haven't solved it ourselves. Something minor that wouldn't require an E. Morning will be fine. Two, possibly three seniors will be available. The red light flashed off, showing the connection had been broken. He sat back in his chair, suddenly conscious that his forehead was wet with sweat, that his shirt was sticking to his body. Not conscious that he was grinning joyfully. Now let these pesky scientists challenge him with the question of whether any E would be listening to their review. Two of them, maybe three. Besides, of course, all the juniors, the apprentices, the students. He dialed the first scientist again, but this time he didn't mind it being Pandora's box. It was a terrible thing for a man to realize he could never be an E. The scientist had to take it out on somebody. He understood. Hello, Dr. Mile, he said cordially in answer to a gruff grunt. This is Bill Hayes of Sector Administration. All right, all right, the voice answered testily. What is it now? End of chapter two of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. Read by Dale Grothman.